Welcome to the Light Pod, brought to you by LightEye, a hub for ideas, education, and a little bit of entertainment when it comes to architectural lighting. I'm your host, Sam Corbel, and today we welcome Lauren Kessel to the podcast. Lauren has most recently taken a new position as the CEO of the Delta Light Group North America through an acquisition where Delta Light Group acquired four companies, one of which Lauren started with his co-founder, Jack Zuckerman. That company is LF Illumination. Lauren has an incredible history in this business when it comes to the business of it, building businesses, meeting people, creating relationships, understanding how everything goes together, and uh, honestly, moving our industry in the right direction when it comes to innovation. Lauren, welcome to the podcast. How's it going? Thanks for having me, Sam. It's good to see you. We're uh, actually sitting here in a mobile podcast studio in Las Vegas. Light Fair 2022 is through its second day, and there's one more day tomorrow. This industry's getting back together. How's it feel? Well, I'm Still concerned that uh, your room is uh, 10 times the size of mine and a nicer view. I'm a little disturbed by that. It is great to be back with uh, so many friends in the industry that uh, we have only had touch with over a phone or a uh, Teams meeting. I mean, you've been in this industry for four plus decades at this point. Wow, that Uh, makes me old. You're not old, you're seasoned. Seasons. You've seen a lot along the way. It's Uh, actually three plus decades. Let's not go too far. Really? How many years have you been in this industry? Uh, 37 years. Your career spans uh, a lifetime at several companies. Before we talk a little bit more about most recently, kind of the journey you've been on as it comes to not only managing businesses, but growing them, combining them together and creating a larger footprint. Tell everybody just a little bit about who Lauren is and how you got your start in lighting. I would say that in the old days, you had a matchbook that you drew a cartoon of a uh, pirate, and uh, my pirate wasn't good enough. So I uh, went to school for engineering, got my engineering degree, and opened a distributorship in beautiful Gloucester, Massachusetts, and um, fell in love with the industry. Uh, the creativity of it, the social and personal aspect of it to deal with customers, talk to customers, turn customers into friends that I've had for a lifetime. Sold the distributorship, continued in it with uh, the company that bought me, which was Stant Electric, and then went to RSA, who I had been buying lights from for years, and met Jack Zuckerman, and and, uh, the rest is history. The rest, as they say it, is history. history. 37 years later, we're sitting here and there's a lot that's happened in this industry since you've entered it. You understand the the relationships that are in this industry. Um, I would call you a master of that craft. And I think most people who have met you at this point would agree with that. You understand what it means to not only show up and tell them, you know, probably what they need to hear, but give them what they need, take care of them, service them, and all along the way, uh, spark some innovation. I want to go back to, you know, the RSA days, uh, your time with Cooper and Eaton, uh, and then you moved into a, a venture with Jack and you started your own manufacturer, LF Illumination. What was it like when you entered into the space? It was somewhat early in the LED revolution, but you had a little bit of, um, visibility as to what was going on so there was an opportunity to let's just say not only do it better but do something new i 
think that working for RSA, we were not only innovating products, but listening to customers. This is what I'm looking for. This is what I need. We were small, we were nimble. We were able to create for the customers and our clients. Uh, going to be acquired by Cooper when we were acquired by Cooper. Cooper is a large machine and stopping on a dime is not their forte, but they do a great job at uh, what they are known for. Uh, spent nine great years there, uh, was VP of National Accounts, enjoyed the ability to grow the business, but at the same time, missed the innovative part of it and the customer request and needs. Can you make this? Will you make this? This is a great project. Do you want to be a part of it? And um, Cooper was very good at a lot of things, but not at that. So uh, Jack, myself, uh, Scott Hirschman, and a bunch of others decided that the industry was lacking. LED was coming out, there were smaller platforms, there was a need for creativity that you could get to the market quicker than most. And that's what we started with LF. Granted, you know, downlights, trackheads, multiples paid the bills, but it was our creativity that really grew the business. And when you talk about, you know, paying the bills versus growing the business, it might be obvious to you, but I'm not so sure how obvious that is to everyone when they look at a portfolio at a manufacturing company. Those who are in the in the sales roles of this industry, be it with a manufacturer or as an independent agent, they understand, you know, uh, the give and take of margin and revenue as it comes to, you know, selling a lot for a very low price and making, you know, so to speak, volume revenue versus something that's special that maybe is actually worth a little bit more. You don't have to sell as much, but you can still, so to speak, make as much. When you looked at building the portfolio of products at LF, uh, you mentioned track heads, downlights, and multiples, which are actually a big part of that core business today. Yet you spark that creativity and innovation with other things. When you started to look at that industry and reacting to it quicker, how did you set your company up in order to be successful and adapting yet being able to also scale and grow as you knew things would grow. So what was great about the starting of LF was the support from the design community and the distributors who were friends. They were friends, they were family, they care, they want to support you. So without them, we wouldn't have grown the business. But to have six to eight engineers when you have one or two salespeople is an anomaly. When you are out there uh, traveling 48 weeks a year to keep the business coming in, as well as uh, keep your marriage intact, I think uh, my wife would say being away from her for 48 weeks a year kind of helped. No, um, <laughs> it's a team effort. Everything's a team effort. So did we all take cuts in salary? Yes. Did we all uh, sacrifice? Yes. I think you need to do that when starting a business, and I think you need that to maintain a business. So there are very few businesses that are successful when the lead people are not working 
as hard, if not harder, than everybody else. So you lead by example, and I would say that there was no difference in our business. We worked, we worked 24 hours a day. We got creative having Scott, who is a past designer, who speaks the fluent language of design. I would say yes to everything and leave it to Scott to figure it out. Justin Weaver was integral. All of these people made it happen. It is it is something that you grow together and build a business together. No one person can do it without the support. You know, the old adage, you're only as strong as your weakest link. When you go from 10 people to 12 people to 20 people to 100 people, everybody has an importance in the, and everybody can make or in sometimes break you. You need something next day year and the shipper forgets to send it next day year, it reflects on you. I think that any one of us in the business, I've been in Las Vegas now for three days. I've been on four different ladders at four different jobs walking through it with customers. I enjoy that part of it. I enjoy seeing the final installation and the vision. So we might have a vision when it comes to building a fixture, but I do not necessarily see it in the overall scheme or the installation within the the building or the architecture that a designer does. So speaking to them, learning from them is is amazing and seeing the final product is phenomenal. When you talk about um, your team, you talk about Scott being a former designer with a, an incredible tenure in design, not just a few years, a couple decades of his own. The ability to speak the language of the customer is something that's so important. It is reflective of the fact that it could be so hard that the only way to do it is to truly assimilate yourself. You brought a customer of your own onto your team to give them an opportunity to see the business from the different side of the coin, which may or may not have been easy, but at the end of the day, it created an opportunity for a new group to work together and a set that really listened, that you know, was a, a heartbeat to your customers because you were them. You lived with them, and as you mentioned, you went and explored with them. You went to understand why they said, we need what we need. You didn't just give it to them from a service aspect. Like It was from start to finish, and you mentioned that we build businesses as teams, and your team wasn't just the people that were on your payroll. Your team were your friends, who were your customers, who were the people who were quite literally the most demanding of you. And by always leading by example, things grew. You guys launched your business formally, what year? Formally was probably 2012. Okay. And uh, started selling product late that year. And into the summer of the next year, we had some real products. You launched your business formally in 2012. 12. With some products on the market by the end of the year, by 2013, you were what we might call I'll put it in quotes, air quotes over here, a real company. Just from the standpoint that you had your shit together. You know what you were doing and you were off to the races. Walk me through your timeline from 2013 to that massive growth period you experienced in 2015, 2016. So I think there are a lot of people, especially with, with LED. Look, in the old days when you had metal halide or, or halogen, it was a replacement of a lamp or or you were not expecting the fixture to last a minimum of five years. LED was a new technology that had to be embraced by the design community back in 2010, 11, 12, 13. 
There were a lot of setbacks where there was overheating, there were failures. We had it, everybody had it. And I think one of the things that we did that set us apart, we didn't hide, we didn't put our head in the sand. If we had a problem, we went out and fixed it. Whether we sent a tech out, whether we sent replacements, you can blame an OEM uh, supplier, you can blame a driver manufacturer, you can blame different things, but at the end of the day, it's your name on the product, even though it has other people's components in it. So I think like in any startup business, we did not make money the first year, we did not make money the second year. Uh, we became profitable the third year, which is uh, darn good in, in any industry. Especially in manufacturing. Especially in manufacturing. And we, we grew, we took on more projects because more things were thrown at us. But I think one of the things we did was we were honest. Can you do this? Will you do this? Can you meet this price? How is this going? And back then it was more about can you, will you, rather than how much or can you get to. I think as we grew and as our portfolio of products changed, it was based on what the customer was looking for and what they were requesting. Uh, they directed our design. We did not necessarily direct it. Every year still to this day, we have uh, new product development meetings now with all brands where we used to have it with just LF and we would come up with 20 pie in the sky products that we wanted to build. And by the time we were done every year, we would build roughly five of those products would get built and all of the rest of the new products were at the request of a designer who may have come to us first, but in most cases came to us second or third and said, can you do it? I can put my finger on projects that we did that were breathtaking, that we didn't even understand what they were looking for until it was done and we went, wow, we get it now. So having a team that understands that and does that is great. And it's grown. The wow, we get it now moment. It's one of those very unique things in design. I think uh, there's a lot of professions. There's a lot of things that happen. There's a lot of creative stuff that happens. But the built environment is especially unique because it's kind of a lowest common denominator. The world, the populace of the world experiences the built environment every day. People know when they walk into a cool space. They know when they walk into something that's beautifully done. The people that design those, they don't actually always completely know what it's going to look like until it's done and what it's done to create that camaraderie and that partnership and that team. And for you all to be standing there is something that I can only imagine is not only fulfilling, but gratifying and motivating to continue to do what you do, which is clearly how success was created within your business. I want to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll dive into a little bit more of what happened once that portfolio was established, how there was an opportunity for brands to start to come together and uh, finish with where you're at today and what might happen next. Sound good? All right. Hey, it's Sam. The Light Pod is brought to you by LightEye, a hub for ideas, education, and a little bit of entertainment when it comes to architectural lighting. They bring you things like this podcast, documentaries, and a fun thing called the Fire Den. Lit conversations on hot topics. Check it out at lytei.com. And welcome back. Over the break, Lauren and I were catching up just a little bit more about what it means to be a leader in this business. What it means to really not only understand your customer, but lead by example. 
show up, treat your team the way they need to be treated, do your job, and you know we'll all win together. It's important when you look at building a business, um, by way of example, with what you've done with LF, you've brought a team along. You've brought a group of peers along with you. Some of them are friends, some of them are customers, some of them are probably quite literally your family. I have to think at a, any moment in time, the dinner table conversations may have potentially been dad or, or the husband just sharing a little bit more about what's going on because how could you not love what you do when you're involved in every single aspect of it? LF is now part of a group that is the Delta Light Group of North America from a recent acquisition. But prior to that, it became one of several brands that was owned by a financial investment firm, which is not something that this industry has traditionally seen, but has started to see more of. Tell me a little bit about you know the decision to go down that route and what it was like to then start to add firepower to it. So it was a decision that was not made lightly, but like RSA being sold to Cooper or Winona being sold to Acuity, it was the 80-10. Let's take the products that sell and not the innovation that pulled through the products that sold, which was the reason they sold. So we were looking for somebody that would be hands-off. Jack was getting up there in age. He was not physically well. Uh, we knew we had to sell within a period of time. He was eclipsing his legend status for he the third was time. For the third time, <laughs> and he was over 90 at the time. Wasn't Jack like 87 when you guys started your company? He was he was a little younger, but he was up there, and he was no longer eligible for a 30-year mortgage. So we um, <laughs> decided to test the water, and we found a VC that was different than most. So they actually asked us to invest in the company. So instead of buying the company and trying to build it and sell it. It was a different entity. They bought us, we kept money in, uh, the leaders, myself, Scott, Eileen, others. We also at the time were able to bring up the next gen, which is what we all need to do. And you see it in the design community now with the business development team that is out there for the lighting design community who says, it's not just for me. Uh, you people are working night and day to build the business. You should have the opportunity at the business. So by the time we sold to the Delta Light Group, instead of it being three investors, we were principals, but they were minority owners, almost eight of which were individuals that we brought up. And it was sweat equity that they earned. I think that's important for the future. So with the VC, we were able to acquire VLT, soft forms, build the business, and they were not interested in selling. Delta Light had approached us as a group and we reviewed everything. And as it happens, we had two non-disclosures out and we almost had a letter of intent out for another acquisition. And it was the right fit and feel. And the venture capital company said, what do you think of Delta Light? And we said, we have two brothers in their 40s who love lighting. They want to build the business worldwide and they want us to help build it in North America. So we as board members, myself, Scott, Eileen, David Kamenowski, 
uh, Dan Height said, this is a nice fit, this is a nice feel. So it wasn't us looking, it was actually the other way around. It's really interesting. You spent all this time and energy building a business, looking at this team, leading by example, bringing everyone up. You're blessed with an opportunity to help your partner financially be successful at the late end of their career. And then you went into growth mode. And out of keeping your head down, out of staying focused, you were approached before you had even had a chance to think about it. There's something unique there, right? Things catch people's eyes when they're attractive. Things catch people's eyes when someone has a plan and sees an opportunity to not tackle success, but capitalize on success. Add themselves to it, whether it's joining forces, creating a collaboration. We see this in design all the time, right? You see prominent lighting designers teaming up more now than ever. Why? Because these projects are big. And what needs to happen is, holy smokes, right? It's going to take time, effort, and energy. And the answer is you focus on this, I'll focus on that. With four businesses that were unique to each other, run out of different locations with likely uh, different primary customer bases, you had to integrate all that. And you barely got there before somebody turned around and said, wait, come over here. Let's do that. Talk to me just a little bit more about what that consolidation was like and what you learned from that and why it has you as excited as you are today. I think when you're looking at a project and you have a relationship and you are involved with a designer and architect and owner and you are viewing it and you say, why can't I take more? Why can't I help out more? What piece am I missing? And I think that there was very little overlap with the four brands prior to the Delta Light acquisition. I think now we have a house of brands where we can go, if you will, to middle class, upper middle class, high end, wherever you want to go and capture more of not only the project, but the eye of the designer and at the same time work with a team that has ideas and input where you're getting it from all over the world where they say, you know, if you tweak this, if you move this, if you do this, it'll make it that much better. I think that is, that is huge. I think that there are a lot of people who, who follow, there are a lot of people who lead, and there are a lot of people who develop. We would like to be considered innovators who have a house of brands that if I am doing a hotel, I can do the common areas, and now I might be able to stretch into the rooms, but I'm not gonna do the two by twos, the two by fours, the a lot of the linear product that other people specialize in. And I think the other thing is, the team that is together actually has friends in the industry, and Today, I recommended somebody else's product. Why? Because it was right product for the application. I think that instills honesty and trust and the fact that you're not trying to sell something that you're not. It's the notion of understanding your place. It's the ability to capture what can add to your place and not go past it. I've heard once or twice 
uh, stay in your lane. Know what your lane is and stay in it. That doesn't mean your lane's full. It doesn't mean you can't add more traffic to it. But don't try to do something that seems like maybe it's right next to you and it's flowing just fine. As you look at what's going on today, uh, the market is hyper-competitive. It's plagued with issues that go on and on and on, and there's no end in sight for those issues because one will be solved as another one comes up. The pandemic was a trigger for a lot of this. The current economic situation will be another trigger for this, uh, and so on and so forth. You're tasked with building now a house of brands. In North America, for a globally recognized company, Delta Light, which has formed the Delta Light Group, and by my calculations, is a lot bigger than it was a couple months ago in North America. What is it like to be able to work with an internationally acclaimed uh, group of individuals to continue to build on this culture of business, this culture of learning and evolving that you are so fond of? I think the ownership of uh, Delta Light is not doing it for the money. I do not think money is the right motivation they are motivated by quality, they are motivated by design, they are motivated by growing to be the best at what they can be. And as you say, staying in the lane, prior to the acquisition of uh, the Lambent brands, Delta Light had sold a company that they owned that had more of the Me Too product, that they thought they needed to complete a package. That was not their forte. Do we do linear product? We do linear product. I would put it up against other people, but is it as wide a range as the other people? No. Will it be as wide a range? No. Is it a complementary product to some of the other products we make? Absolutely. There are other people who, I don't want to say do it better, but do it better. So we are out to develop in our lane that we know and grow that end of the business and expand where we have to and where we want to with the help and the direction of the design community because we can't do it on our own. If you're looking at the new Bible, you will see the first 20 pages are uh, what we would call napkin sketches of concepts that a lighting designer had for a project that ended up becoming a product in our line. We don't want to develop with blinders on. We want people to say, I love this, but, or this would be better if. I think you need it. I think the other thing that is lacking in our, in our industry currently is the input of ease of upgradability, installation. How do I install this? What a difference it is when I go out, as I said uh, before, to four different sites and climb up different ladders they're all built the exact same way. <laughs> <laughs> to talk to the contractor and say, you know, this was tough to install because, and if you did this, it would be a lot easier for me. Or if you did this, that's great feedback that you would not have received unless you went out and got it. I think that there are uh, byproducts of being a house of brands. As we look at distribution, they have more under one throat to choke. If you look at agents, you have more play with an agent having five brands on their line card rather than having one. So the old adage is strength in numbers, that helps us get the word out, get the product out, 
and we don't have to show a product from each brand. We can show a new product when we're out demoing. We can cater it to the designers who may do high-end residential, who do CNI work, who do TNI work, who do uh, retail. We can cater it now with the House of Brands to that designer and not take up a bunch of their time or waste their time giving them a product demo on parts they'll never use. There's a lot to take away from this conversation. Well, I can go for hours. Uh, you, you could probably go on and on and on, and that's why this won't be the last conversation that gets recorded on the light pod. <laughs> We're just scratching the surface here of now what it takes to actually accomplish all this, which is very interesting in and of itself. But to stay focused and to stay you know, mission and purpose driven by your customers is something that fundamentally seems simple, but is extremely complex. Uh, let the record show. Uh, based on the performance of these businesses, the growth, the opportunity to sell, merge, and be acquired. Uh, it's very clear that your philosophy, I'd say, pretty much checks out. It's pretty cool. And it'll be fun to watch you and your team continue to grow as um, you grab a mega, mega brand over from Europe. Are they a mega brand? Can I call them a mega brand? Sure, why not? Why not? Yeah. A pretty cool freaking brand over uh, in Europe. Take some of that influence, take uh, another set of leaders, another set of customers, and really start to combine it all together. I'm excited for you. I want to wish you the best of luck. And uh, I just have one last question. If people want to talk to Lauren, if they want to, you know, take a page out of your book, if they want to learn from the business philosophy of Lauren Kessel, Jack Zuckerman, Scott Hirschman, uh, all your other founding partners that you've worked with. What's the best way they can get in touch with you? Well, considering I don't get email on my cell phone and I just upgraded from a flip phone, um, <laughs> they can call me because I think that at the end of the day, we are all people doing a job. It is important that not only do we like what we do, we like the people that we are working with, and we like the people that we are working for and servicing. And I think that a lot of it comes down to, I want to be treated with that respect. If I can do something that helps you or gets you out of a, a situation or makes your life easier, your job go better, that is what I am there to do. That's what they've instilled with me and believe in me, that empowerment is important. And we are partners in this business. And that's what I'll end on. Partnership means so much. In an industry that some might say has been around forever, some may say is just getting started. The nature of architectural specification grade lighting, there's a lot that's gonna happen. Find your partners, stay in your lane, lead by example. And first and foremost, listen to your customers. You'll be surprised what might happen. Lauren, thank you so much for your time. It's great to talk to you. Enjoy Las Vegas. I had never done a podcast. This is new for me. I thought we were just chatting with headphones on, but I have a mic in front of me. It's kind of, I didn't know if you wanted me to sing a little, uh, you know, Frank Sinatra while I'm in uh, Vegas. Nope. I think we're good. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. See you, Lauren. Thanks again for listening to this episode of The Light Pod. If you enjoyed it, do me a favor and click that like, follow, or subscribe button. That's the best way to never miss another episode where we talk to people about all things lighting who have inspirational and thought-provoking conversations to share. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.